the volume. This Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. I've got a hell of an episode for you guys today. I've got on the Authors of Pain, formerly known as the Authors of Pain, Sunny and Gazim. These two dudes are so amazing. Um, you know, we're so used to seeing these like imposing figures that they were in WWE you know, you never hear from them on the mic. They've worked with Paul Ellering. They worked with uh, with Spud. So it's really cool, especially, you know, for me to be able to have them on and have this conversation with these two dudes. They don't do a ton of interviews. They've been pretty silent since parting ways with WWE, but they have just been working on so many cool things. They're out there with their NFT, the, the Bull Planet Ape. So we get into all that stuff. You guys can, can check that out and go hang out with them in the virtual reality world. I really don't know anything about this, and I know that I should. I know I'm behind the times. But they kind of break it all down for me, uh, as well as just talking about stories from the road, stories from their time in WWE, stories from their tryouts to their lives prior to getting into pro wrestling, to what the future looks like for these guys. This was such a great chat. I loved having them on. Um, I think you guys are going to get to hear a different side of, of Sonny and Kazim. Hell yeah. Here we go. Let's get into it. Here's the Authors of Pain. Oh my gosh, so good to see you both. Is it so weird that you two haven't been able to like see each other in a while? When was the last time you guys were in the same place? It's been over a year, year and a half. It's like so weird and sad when you're so used to seeing somebody all the time. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, what? And, you know, we've got Gizm like all the way over in Europe. So far away, way different time zones. Sunny, you're in BC? Yeah, I'm in BC. You're in Abbotsford, right? Abbotsford, yeah. Yeah. Usually I don't I never say Abbotsford because nobody really understands it, but since you're uh Canadian, you got me. I know. I was actually just up in Toronto last week and it was so nice to be home. I had not been home to Canada in like three years. I last time I was in Canada was when we had SummerSlam in Toronto, which was years ago. It was a long, long time ago. Yes, yeah, so it was nice to get a little. Canada connection. I feel so much better when I'm in Canada. I just, I think it's the Tim Hortons and the air and, you know, all the, all the good stuff. 
Always. I know. It's so nice. Okay. A year and a half since you guys have seen each other. What's going on? What's happening? What have you guys been up to? It's been such obviously such a weird time in the last year and a half, but what has gone on between uh, parting ways with WWE to where you're at now? Well, we kept very silent, of course, after WWE. Uh, we did it a little bit on purpose. Most people leave WWE, as you know, like they jump on every opportunity they get. We didn't uh, jump on every opportunity. We wanted to wait out a little bit and keep people guessing, right? What we're going to do next. And we didn't want to just come back for the sake of coming back. We always felt like we wanted to do something bigger than real life. And we hooked up about 12 to 13 months ago, over a year ago. And we just started talking like, uh, what are our next steps? What are our next plans? And uh, that's how we got uh, into uh, our new project. Boy Planet. We put a lot of time in it behind the scenes. Uh, we didn't want any social media coverage on it or any interviews or nothing. Like we like the silent part of it, be ourselves. And uh, yeah, of course we missed it. We missed the community part of wrestling. It's such a strong community, even though we couldn't engage on a level as the most people did because we weren't really the typical babyface. We were always the bad guys throughout our whole careers. Of course, we look like that, so it fits as well. But of course, we wanted to engage in the community as well a little bit. And uh, that's how we got a little bit into the NFT world. And uh, we launched Boulay Planet. We've been growing so fast. We built a community ourselves in the last couple of months. This is just the way uh, we feel we're coming back in a way that's bigger than real life in the virtual world. What does that mean? What do people get out of it? Me and Sunny, we always felt like we weren't humans in the ring. We were like wild animals because that was always the way our matches went, like high pace, crazy, aggressive, nonstop. So that's where the name Boy Planet comes from. It's, uh, it's art. It's a new virtual reality world. We're coming back, but accessible to everybody. Like you don't have to be a bad guy. You don't have to be a good guy. We can wrestle. We can be ourselves, but it's not going to be on earth is going to be in the virtual reality world. It's crazy. And I th we really think it's going to take over here in Europe. It's already taking over people already spending more time in the metaverse in the virtual reality world than in the normal world. And the States is actually catching up on it. And this is how we felt we can express ourselves, the real us, the real Sunny and Zim, but also with uh, a little bit of the old school AOP. Sonny, what's your take on the whole thing? How do you feel like how do you feel like the steam is picking up in Canada with this? It's one of those things where it's it's growing day by day. You know, it's very early on as a project or as a whole concept of NFTs, but everyone's getting involved. It's like the internet when the internet first came out. You know what I mean? Everyone's like, oh, that's never gonna work. But look at it now. Same with NFTs. They're one of those things, it's gonna be a representation of who you are, what you believe in. And it's basically like if you wear a certain type of clothes, it kind of represents who you are. You know what I mean? So it's it's going to be the same thing where in your virtual wallet, the kind of purchases of NFTs you have, that's going to show people the kind of person or your beliefs or what you're involved in, kind of in that concept. As the months go by, everyone will be uh, getting more accustomed to it. And that's the beauty of it, right? So it's so new. And there's no, there's no boundaries. There's nobody, uh, no, nothing's uh, written in stone, which is right or which is wrong. It's all open concept and 
everyone can just be themselves, you know? And it's like, even, even as far as like Gazim just said, we were bad guys and we weren't allowed to be close to the community of the wrestling world as a baby face would. But in this world, we're just like everybody else. We can talk to anybody. We log on to the discord. We talk as much as we can. I was giving relationship advice the other day. It's one of those things where we're, we can do things we've never done before. And when me and Gazim came up with the concept and we started looking into this, and I was like, yo, this is cool. You know what I mean? This is one of those things where it's never been done. No wrestlers ever thought of it. Wrestlers are these badass, non-approachable figures. But if we do this, this is totally different. And we've been gone for so long. And I think it's going to be huge. When you guys were building this and putting everything together, what were the things that were really important for you guys to, to have as part of your NFT? Well, definitely the community aspect of it. We build it up a team of uh, six people. We have a tech guy, we have an artist, we have a uh, marketing guy, and we have us, of course, and we hooked up with this uh, professional soccer player. It's a day-to-day -day community engagement. Like, like we're in the Discord, like we're talking with people. We have a special mental health uh, chat. We have a sports chat. We have a wrestling chat. We talk about everything. And if you see people engaging so much, it really, really opens your eyes. And that's one of the things that me and Sonny were really, really strict on. We really wanted the community part to be really strong. And uh, that's one of the things that we really wanted. And of course, we also wanted something that nobody has seen before, something that nobody has done before. Uh, for example, with our, uh, with our figures, we're fully 3D, fully adaptable to any metaverse. It's crazy. We're actually releasing a video game called Bullet Planet. It will be uh, available on uh, PlayStation, Xbox, and so forth. It's actually like we're taking such big steps like that we never could have dreamed of. And that's what we wanted. We wanted to be bigger than real life. Of course, like, you know, the saying in WWE, everything is bigger than real life. Once we left WWE, we felt like, where can we go where we have that same feeling? Of course, we had offers of multiple companies and nothing felt the same as this right now. Of course, in the future, you'll never know, right? We can make a comeback in the real world. Of course, uh, we're already planning some stuff to create in the Middle East. It's going to be huge. We're actually flying over there in uh, two weeks to set up some things. And it's going to be huge. Uh, we can't tell too much about it, but it's going to be a very exciting time for us. Okay, before I get into more of like some of the wrestling stuff with you guys, um, in this metaverse world and you're on the discourse talking to people and they're getting this other side of you, what has been kind of the biggest reaction from people really getting to know you? Like you said, when you guys have been these heels for the longest time and now they get to know you guys as people, what has that reaction been like? They can't believe how nice we are. <laughs> I get it all the time. AOP is so cool, man. Like, we've been like this our whole life. You know, it was just, it was, we're good at that character, you know, being that badass heel type character, you know. But in real life, this is who we are. And it's it's nice. That's why I'm so excited about this project, because we get to show who we are. We aren't just those mutes that just beat people up, you know. So it's very, uh, very nice in that way. Like, I'm, en I'm enjoying the whole process. It's awesome. I bet that's got to be kind of difficult when you do have this like warm, fun personality, but you don't ever get to show that to anybody. It's it must feel nice to get to like finally reveal that side of yourself to people. Definitely. So that, that's 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 what that's a huge part of it. Hey, guys, if you're here listening to the sessions, thank you. Hello. Hi. And 
You love some combat sports? Well, be sure to check out Boxing with Chris Mannix. It's every Friday as he talks with the biggest names in boxing, UFC, and yes, even the occasional wrestling superstar. Chris is one of the most passionate and influential voices in the sport, and he's here every week to help you get smarter on all things boxing. He'll also help you win some money on FanDuel with his weekly betting segment where he breaks down the best bets for all the big fights. Download Boxing with Chris Mannix only here on the Volume Podcast Network. Okay, so on the wrestling side of things, yeah, you guys must be getting hit up left, right, and center. I feel like when you guys in WWE parted ways, that was really a jaw dropper of like, what? How, how, what, why, where, when, like it's, it blew my mind for sure. So what was the reaction for you guys from, from some other independent wrestling promotions and, you know, all the opportunities that are available now? The pandemic started and at the time, like everyone was super, super uncertain about what was going on. Cause I was living in Canada in Vancouver at the time. So I was flying back and forth. Then the borders shut. Right. So I couldn't do that anymore. Zim hadn't been home in, uh, I think two years at the time to Amsterdam and like he was worried about his own family because the whole world was getting shut down. People were getting sick left, right and center. Right. And WWE had approached us with something different that they wanted us to do. And we were just like, Hey man, we just don't feel comfortable doing it. And at the time, like that was the best decision for us. And we decided to just stay with their families and stay home. To be a little bit nosy, what was the thing that they had offered you? If you want to talk about it, you don't have to, but. I'd rather not. It was something okay. It was something in the company, obviously. But at the time, the, if you remember, we were working with Seth. We were working on top and we had this huge storyline. But at the time, Zim had just gotten hurt. He tore his bicep. Like that was, I think that was the last Raw before the, all the restrictions went in. And then we went without a crowd, I believe. And he just torn it. And uh, the whole time was coming back and just doing what we were doing before. And what had happened was he came back after four months and, and the script had completely changed. And what they wanted us to do at the time, we weren't really comfortable doing. We're family men. You know, I'm an only child. I like taking care of my parents. Zim's got a brother and sister, but at the same time, he likes taking care of his parents too. They're getting older. So I just said, you know what? This is good. I got to stay home and take care of my family. And Zim said, that's the best decision for me as well. And then after that, we didn't even think about wrestling. You know, all the offers or what, what not, we're just, we sat back and we're just like, you know, we're just going to let this pandemic end. The pandemic never ended. You know what I mean? You know, it kept, it, it kept going, kept going. And then while we had all this free time, we started doing multiple different ventures. I got into housing, a lot of real estate stuff. And then Zim got his uh, food prep companies and restaurants and he's into all that stuff. And then we, we would talk all the time over the phone and then we started fiddling around with this NFT world. And then we came up with this. So then we got busy with this. So we never really had a chance to sit back and be like, hey, man, we should grab our gear bag. We just never did, you know, so because we we're so busy with doing all this other stuff and which has been nice. So my question now, a year and a half off of no bumps, how good do your bodies feel right now? Do you feel amazing? I feel amazing. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I look the, I look the best. Yeah. I feel the best. I like we're both young. Like I was 20 when I got signed with WWE. When I was prepping for this, I was like, you guys are so young. Holy shit. Babies. I was 20 when I got signed. Zim was 19. We we're both young. And then now I'm 28. Zim's 27. We can still wrestle tomorrow if we wanted to. You know what I mean? So 
we can go. But I honestly, I do feel a lot better not traveling and just not taking bumps. Like our heart is still at wrestling. And coming back in this way, we love it a lot. Uh, but of course, like if everything would have happened, everything would have went well with WWE, we saw ourselves still wrestling for WWE, right? I came back after hurting my bicep. I rehabbed it in three and a half months, like in 14 weeks. I rehabbed the full torn bicep. And uh, it was a double incision bicep uh, repair that it did. Like usually that's eight months of rehab. I did it in three and a half months. And I went back actually to the WWE office. And I told them, I'm ready to go again. And they just cut us off. They said, no. And I said, we just said, like, what do you mean, right? Uh, I'm just going to say it here, right? Like, we shook hands on something pretty big. And they want, didn't want to follow it up anymore after I got hurt and the pandemic started. So that's also one of the reasons why me and Sonny said, hey, we're going to go home, right? We decided together we're going to go home and do our things, man. Because we're people that if you make a promise and you shake hands, you have to act on it and you have to fucking come your promises. And once we feel like somebody doesn't do that, we cut you off right away. That's how we are. And we shook hands, like, I don't know, like with a former somebody in the office, you probably know him. Uh, that guy got let go. Uh, but uh, yeah, we went through some shit with him, right? Uh, he, uh, he made a lot of promises to us and they didn't relive it. We just felt like, hey, we're going to go home and uh, we're done, man. So it was not a very difficult decision for you guys to come to, to decide to pack things up. Me and Zim, when we first started wrestling in WWE, like training, we came from successful backgrounds. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like it was our savior. You know what I mean? Like it was something we wanted to do. You know, a lot of guys like us get heat about it. Oh, they didn't come from the Indies. They don't respect the business. No, we, we respect whatever we do. If we're devoting ourselves, moving from Canada, he's moving from Amsterdam to America, away from our families and learning a new craft from scratch. I don't know what else respect can we do. We started our lives again and we fully went into that business and said, hey, man, we're going to be the best we can. And that's what we did. We respected everyone we came across. I still thank everybody that helped us in our path. But at the end of the day, we're very disciplined in the way and respect oriented. We agree on something and we sh my handshake is my bond. I do any deal in my life, whether it's real estate or anything, if I shake hands with somebody, that's my bond. And if both parties or some party tries to flop out of it, that doesn't sit right with me. And the Zims, is, that's why we get along so well, because we had the same morals and values. And that was one of those things where we're just like, okay, there's no ill will, no hard feelings. We just said, okay, that's your guys' decision. Well, this is our decision. Most people would be like, no, no, just stay with the company and take what you get. No, no. We don't need that. We do it our way or it's not, it doesn't work, you know, because we've shown our respect. We never said no to nothing. Zim was 300, I think 40 pounds at the time. And somebody asked him to take a uh, suplex from a ladder. He just said, okay, let's do it. Hey, we were like that with anything, getting hit by chairs, no problem. You always want to put us through table. I went through a table every week for like four months. I said, no, I liked it. I enjoyed it because whatever we do, we try to do it the best we can. That's just who we are. But at the same time, we, we expect the same in return. And it wasn't something that we didn't agree on. We agreed on something and they backed out of it for whatever their reasons are. And we just said, okay, it's all good. We opted out. You can call us young and wise or you can call us young and dumb, but that's who we are. You guys both got signed really young. How did you guys become a tag team? What was sort of the origin stories of getting you guys together? I believe it was all a hunter's ideal. I was 
at the performance center about four to five months before Zim was. And then as soon as we, he came in, I looked at him like, man, he looks just like me. And this was before they even like said, hey, you guys going to be a tag team. We just started hanging out together <laughs> like every day, you know, like because we didn't have I didn't have any family there. He definitely had he barely knew English. I understood every word he said, you know, where normal people didn't look at him like, what What did he say? And everyone called him Jism, <laughs> right? I think I was the only one that said his actual name is Gazim, guys. Come on. And we connected and further on, we, we uh, got an apartment together. We started living together. I honestly, like, I'll say this on, on record, like, I wouldn't be able to do it if Zim wasn't there. I would have left a long time ago. And I would have said, hey, man, all right, it's all good, but I'm going back home. Like Sonny said, we came from different backgrounds, and everybody looked at us like, we're just there to steal money, right? Like, you're there, you're here just for the WWE for the money. Like, you're not a wrestler. Why am you, you, we have, we've been wrestling for 10 years on the indie bing halls. Like, we've been giving our whole bodies. You guys are just here, like, to make money. Like, everybody, like... People don't know because we didn't complain about it because we can take a lot of shit. Yeah, we can take a lot of shit. Of course, I respect the people who did their thing in wrestling before WWE, like on the indies. But we come from backgrounds like where wrestling just isn't that big. Like he grew up in a wrestling family. I grew up in a fight boxing family. So I, I actually became a professional MMA fighter at 17. People just don't know how much we left behind to go actually sign with WWE and go wrestle for WWE, go to the performance center. Like, I never even told anybody in the Netherlands like what we went through in the performance center. Like, people thought we were getting paid like hundreds of thousands of dollars like just being in a performance center. I made more money at 17 from MMA sponsorship deals than I made in the WWE performance center. I left money behind, I left my family behind just because like it was an exciting adventure. Like I thought it was an exciting adventure for me like to go to WWE, right? And we really stuck out there like just because we were together, right? Like if we weren't there together, man, I think I think I couldn't do it, man. I think I would have left a long time ago. My father, he didn't talk to me for about six months because I made the decision to go to the WWE. Why did he not like it? The thing was, at amateur wrestling and freestyle, I was I made my first national team at 13 years old. So I was representing Canada all over the world. And I had just taken a world uh, bronze medal at the Junior Worlds in Sofia, Bulgaria in 2013 before I signed. And I had just medaled at Pan Am Games. So I was a, I was a medal hopeful in Rio, just being on the Olympic team. Because we have our own wrestling club here in Abbotsford. And like that's what we do. We teach wrestling. And um, it was his life's work and working on me, right? And I decided to just sign a contract and go to Florida. So he didn't he didn't speak to me for like six months. People don't realize that. They thought, oh, these guys are just here stealing money, like Zim just said. No, we actually wanted to do it. We had careers. That's why when me and him got together, we clicked. That brotherhood, it was just, I can't even put a word on it because it was just something so beautiful and pure. It's the same way now. Like, I don't think Zim like has ever, ever doubted any decision I've made. We're so confident in each other's decisions that we will blindly support each other, no matter what it is in life. I remember all the old timers that when they see us, you guys are together all the time. You guys will grow apart. You guys are going to hate each other. We don't. We love each other. You know what I mean? Like, that's my brother. What was your guys' experience when you were getting signed, coming from your respective different backgrounds and having this opportunity from WWE come up? What was the process of going from one into the other and getting signed? I was wrestling freestyle and Gerald Briscoe, he scouted me. And uh, basically at the time I said, oh, I had commitments to Canada wrestling and I couldn't even do a tryout. And he was just like, hey, you just come out to Florida just for three days. That's when tryouts were in uh, Tampa, FCW. 
in my head, I'm going, I'm going to go there, train for a little bit, and I'm going to be on TV, right? I'm like, yeah, because I'm good at what I do. I can wrestle. I came there, and I was doing forward rolls for two months. I'm talking to people back home. They're like, oh, how's it going? When are you coming on TV, right? And I was like, I don't know, man. I'm just doing forward rolls. I'm actually pretty good at it. I'm like, there's some guys can't even do forward rolls. That was my process. And then what happened was, at the time, Bill left and uh, Matt Bloom took over. And then he he knew that guys like me were like ready to just leave. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm not, I'm not here to do forward rolls, right? I'm not wait, wasting my youth here. He started involving us more into the wrestling part of it, just letting us in free time, letting us wrestle. That's what Zim was around too. And then we would wrestle each other. Then it was just, we liked that part of it. You know, the actual wrestling part of it, it's beautiful. Like people who don't know, that's the best part of it. Like, it's awesome. Gazim, what was your experience? You got signed in Dubai, right? Yeah, so I uh, I actually uh, was on a training camp uh, for a fight uh, in England. And uh, I actually was there at training camp at a good uh, buddy's gym. And they were actually a sponsor of mine. And uh, TK MMA Fit. And I was there training. And there's this guy walking around. Back in the time, I didn't know. It was Kenny Seaman. And uh, he was actually looking for Arab talent just in a regular gym. He just went throughout every gym in Dubai, and he was looking for big Arab guys. I'm not Arabian, I'm Albanian, I'm, you know. He liked the look, and he said, hey, we have tryouts next month here in uh, Dubai, and I'm just looking for some extra people, like, that want to join. If you like it, come join. I said, I have a fight in two weeks, but if I knock him out within the first round, I will come. And I ended up knocking him out with a flying knee in 16 seconds. A flying knee from you? Oh, my God. I'd be dead. I would literally be dead. Oh, my God. I'm going to look that up after this. Me first, Ollie Thompson. I actually faked the takedown. He went back. He went down with his head, and I threw up the knee, and he was flush on his head. But uh, So I called him up, right? I said, uh, yo, Kenny, and I just won. Uh, I actually called him the next day. I said, uh, I just won uh, within 16 seconds. I sent him the video through uh, iMessage. He checked it out. He said, brother, we need you at this tryout. Please come. I said, I'm not Arab, though. Is that a problem? He said, uh, it's not a problem. Can you speak Arabian words? I said, yeah, sure. I couldn't, but I thought I figured out, like, I learned it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It was WWE, right? I knew of WWE, so I thought it's an opportunity, right? I'm going to try it. And uh, so I fly out next month. He, uh, he flies me in, and we did the tryout. Actually, me and my brother together, we did the tryout because my brother's a copy of me, but... He's maybe just a little bit lazier than me, right? In uh, some aspects, but he was a professional, <laughs> professional MMA fighter as well. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we actually both did the tryout, and uh, Bill Vermont at that time uh, and William Regal were there. And William Regal just begged me. He said, "You're gonna be something so big." He said, uh, "We have people in the performance center already, like, but we need you, man. Like, like you're gonna be something so big." I was actually I just turned 18 at that time. It was a couple of days after my birthday. And uh, he said, you're so young. He said, you will have a lifetime career at WWE if you want to come join. Actually, the last day of the tryouts was promo day. And I had to speak Arab because I still hadn't told that I wasn't speaking Arab. The first two days were just like conditioning and strength. So I'm standing there. Sami Zayn is sitting there right next to the camera with William Regal and Bill DeMar. And Sami Zayn speaks fluently Arab. So I'm looking at the camera and they say, can you give me a 20 second, 30 to 30 second Arab promo and sound as aggressive as possible. And I just knew like a couple words, Kefahalik, how are you? That's what I learned from the guys in the gym. And I'm just looking at the at the mirror and I'm just like, 
shaking my head from aggressivity, right? Like trying to show how angry I'm saying, get the headache like that. And then, and then Sammy says, you know, you actually speak Arabian? I said, no, I'm Albanian, but I can learn it. And he says, dude, it says, hey, you speak Arabian. I said, I don't. And then William Regal stood up. He said, it doesn't matter what language you speak. Your face tells the story. Give me a 10-second stare down in this camera. Leave it to Sami Zayn to call you out, though, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. But he was great, though, throughout everything. But they all stood behind the camera and checked in the little camera screen, and I just gave my most aggressive look in the camera for 10 seconds. I started sweating instantly from shaking my head that much. Like, my blood pressure probably went up to 200 in that moment. And William Regal said, that face is going to sell at arenas. We want you to come to Orlando, Florida. And uh, he said, we want to sign your brother too. And my brother obviously didn't end up signing because he wanted to stay in the Netherlands. He had more things going on there with his uh, companies. And uh, I ended up signing and that's how we how we met, man, me and Sonny. That's how when I flew out like two months later, usually you get like drawn in with, with a group of guys. I went by myself. They wanted me in the performance center as soon as possible. The first week they gave me a chair to sit down alone, watch all the trainings. And the week after it, we started training. Wow, that's crazy. What else was your relationship with William Regal like? I mean, that guy is just a well of knowledge. He was the best to us. Uh, the first year in Orlando, he almost texted me every day. We texted on a regular basis. I was sending him videos of promos like in the bathroom of my apartment in Orlando in Winter Park. And I was just sending him promos. And he said, yeah, that's the way to go, kid. Like, keep sending them, keep sending them. And I was sending them every day. Just different promos. Like he said, shoot on Brock Lesnar, shoot on Rusev, shoot on this guy, shoot on that guy. Like I made promos for everybody. And actually, he was also like very, very, very helpful. Like in our first beginning, especially when me and Sonny teamed up together, he fully believed in us, fully believed in us. He loved Sonny just as much as me. I think it was also a little bit because he was a pretty big guy too, right? Like himself. And he loved the way we could tell stories with our faces and how bad we actually looked. And, uh, yeah, he always told me and Sonny, you guys are Heyman guys. You guys will be Heyman guys, so you guys will always be Heyman guys. And I think he had a big thing in bringing Paul Ellering with us as well when we just debuted. How did that all come together with Paul Ellering? And what was your relationship like with him when he came in as your guy's manager? We didn't actually know that we were getting Paul Ellering as a manager. Honestly, we didn't know we were debuting. Because we've only had, we had, I think we had like four or five matches together on house shows all around Florida there with NXT. And then randomly before uh i think it was uh the takeover the end and it was a revival at the time and american alpha i believe they had a match and then we came in after and literally that morning we got a text from matt bloom that said hey meet us at the performance center at 10 a.m we go there and the, it's empty bloom goes get in the ring just roll around and then we see paul walk out and he's watching us and the, him and uh, i think it was william regal together and what was happening was he wanted to see us before he got put together with us. And right away, he said, yeah, I'll do this. When we uh, debuted, Paul came out and it was just, it was something so big because he had a lot of offers to manage other tag teams and he turned them all down because he didn't feel like it fit. And because uh, he has a huge legacy, obviously, to keep up. They actually never really told us before our debut that Paul Ellery would come out. Like they left the option to Paul Ellery because from our knowledge... From our knowledge, like, uh, he was actually, like, he already had declined a lot of people before us. That's what they told us. And that's what Paul later on told us as well. Like, we were, we jumped on uh, Jordan and Gable. 
American Alpha. And like, obviously, Matt Bloom told us backstage, like, hey, you guys might be teaming up with Pilot, or you guys might be teaming up. But they never really told us Pilot is going to walk out, and you guys actually have to be standing next to him. Like, we jumped, we did our thing, like, we beat American Alpha up at that time, and we were just standing there. And all of a sudden, we hear the crowd cheer like crazy. We thought, are they cheering us? Like, then we look, and it's Paul Ellering. So it all went just smoothly. But they never really told us that Paul Ellering is going to walk out and be our manager like they never really thought i think they left the option to him like till the last second right because he had a legacy obviously with legion of doom and they didn't want to mess that up so they gave him the option and he accepted it eventually yeah and then we we clicked like we meet yeah. like honestly us and paul talk on a weekly basis still i always pick his brain about stocks and different stuff and just his crazy workouts he just still does crazy workouts he's flying to the metaverse with us i've had the honor of trying to introduce him to the metaverse and it's the best thing ever because he he had no clue i call him every other day and i'd be like hey paul so this is what's oh that's great he loves us to a fact where he's unconditional support he's like and then because the whole time we're away he's like, we gotta get back to wrestling boys we just say yeah paul we're just super busy blah blah, blah. and then when i introduce his metaverse stuff paul goes oh that's great different let's do it that's so cool. I love that. What was it like when you guys went from NXT to debuting on the main roster? That sort of like journey from one into the other. Very different. From NXT, we were wrestling all the time. And then when we got to the main roster, we did a couple of things and then boom, nothing. And we're like, what's going on? Did we do something wrong? No, it was just at the time, the boss just said, basically, these guys are too big, too special. We got to do something good with them. That something good didn't come around for like eight to nine months. We we're there. Everybody's looking at us like, what the what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Like sitting in catering all the time, eating our food, right? Like we're eating like we're, you know, NXT, right? There's no catering. We saw catering, like we smashed it, like eating cake, eating steaks. I still miss those cookies. Yeah, the cookies, <laughs> right? And yeah, the, we went on doing nothing for so long. And then I think we had one... Uh, random match. I don't know how it came about. It was the main event of Raw. We walked into the arena and everyone's like, oh, congrats, guys. Congrats, guys. And I'm like, I'm looking at them. I'm like, congratulating us. We haven't done anything for months, dude. Right? And then we get into the locker room. We were actually, we were teaming with Corbin and we faced the Shield. They go, yeah, you guys have a match with them. And honestly, I think even John, Seth, Roman was always like, oh, these guys are just like me because he has a football background, right? John and Seth, they were like, oh, I don't know if these guys can even wrestle, right? So they're just kind of like, yeah. We'll, we'll put it together. Anyways, we'd have the match. And then, honestly, I remember this. You can tell John this. Eh? We uh, we have the match. And it turned out to be a good match. And uh, John comes to the back. He goes, he looks at it. He goes, hey, man, you guys are pretty good. <laughs> High praise considering he doesn't, he doesn't dole out compliments all that often. Trust me, I'm married to him. I got to beg for compliments. I go to Zim. I said, you see that shit? <laughs> We're good, huh? <laughs> and then after that, we, we had that match. And then we did nothing for a couple more months. Oh, my gosh. Till Heyman took over. And then Heyman goes, dude, we got to do something with you guys. Like, we can't have you guys. Because we're like, dude, we're just flying around eating catering. We're going from city to city on a catering tour. Right? And then Heyman had this great idea. And then, yeah, and then that was it. What about when you guys started working with Spud, with Drake Maverick? It was a good time because Spud's so talented. 
He he can do pretty much anything. I mean, the dude gets he gets released and rehired, released, rehired. I mean, you can't deny the talent. That's crazy, right? Is he back with the company now? I think he's in a creative role with the company right now. I read that online. I don't know for sure, for sure, but I did read that somewhere. He's so talented. And then we, it was only a short, I think it was uh, three months we had with him. And we actually became tag champions during that run. Then Spud got pinned in one of the matches. We lost the tag titles because of Spud. Fucking Spud. <laughs> I, I blame the, the, the second two or three months of not working to Spud. <laughs> he lost our titles. We can't even work anymore. Once we became Raw champions, like, that's where, like, we had a phase, right? Like, I don't want to say because we didn't have much work when we signed with Raw that everybody was good to us. But we, we saw, like, once we didn't have much work, like, we got called up. Everybody was a little bit quiet to us. Once we didn't have much work, right, we were sitting at catering. Everybody started being so friendly to us, right? Like, very nice. And then we became champions. And we see, like, guys just turn 360 on us. Like, completely, completely 360, right? And I'm just looking at some people like, damn, what did I do wrong? And we actually got on a European tour after it. And that European tour... Obviously, we had so much fun, right? Like with some of the guys in the back, Roman, John, obviously, we had a lot of fun in the back. But we had, we, we had a lot of, we had a lot of like people like who started heat out of nowhere. For example, like there's this story like that I've never told like many people, right? And actually, John backed me up on this one, right? Like the new guys, we were still the, we were still the new guys, like, uh, and we had to actually like. The new guys, supposedly, we didn't know, have to lift up the beers, the big crate of beers from the bus to the hotel. We didn't know that. We didn't drink. Yeah, so we're walking. We walk into the hotel. We're seeing I'm waiting in the line for catering, like to eat at the hotel because I was hungry after the match, right? And they didn't care, obviously, because we were champions, but that didn't play in my mind. I just didn't know. Corbin went up to me and he's a young boy. You got to pick up that crate of beers, man, and bring it back to the hotel. I turn, I look around and said, excuse me? And he said, you know, I did the same thing when I was a young boy. You got to pick up the beer, man. I'm thirsty or something like that. I said, are you seriously talking to me like this? Like, you cannot ask, man. I say, if you said, hey, bro, do you want to please grab those beers, man? Everybody who's new does that, right? It's the way to go. But you call me young boy in front of everybody here, man. Are you serious? So I said, Baron, come here, man. Like in front of the whole crowd, everybody went quiet. I said, come here. I said, are you seriously talking about this? He goes, I apologize, this, that, right? Like, I didn't mean to say it like that, but I did it. Everybody does it. A lot of things like that happened once we became champions. And we were just cool. Like, we were just cool. But people thought because we were new and we became champions that we were going to start turning into dickheads. Like, we didn't. Right, we're nicest guys still as champions. Like we don't care if we're champions or not. Obviously, everybody knows the script, so we didn't care. And we saw a lot of like people turn different way, right? Like once that happened, and uh, it just—I guess that's the way it goes everywhere, right? Not just in wrestling; like it goes everywhere like that once you get success. 
Yeah, it's having that success and also like just like the built in traditions like that of like bringing up the beers and you guys got to do that. And like when you don't know, you don't know, even though those things can be very dumb. But I mean, it's also usually just in fun. But it is. Yeah. When you don't know and you don't know what those rules are like. I remember when I first started, like I didn't come from a wrestling background either. But like I didn't know about having to go up and shake everyone's hand. And like the last thing I wanted to do was like interrupt like Shawn Michaels talking to Hunter to go up to like shake their hands. I'm like, they're having a conversation. They don't need my dumb ass popping my head in there saying, Hey, but like, I had no idea how that worked. It like took me a second to like adjust that with, I'm like, I don't want to get any heat. I don't know how this shit goes. I'm sure, I'm sure me and Zim, we got lots of heat, but like, honestly, we're not bad people. You know, that's what I always said to Zim. I was like, dude, we're good people. The good people, they're going to be good to us because they're good people, but the shitty people, they're going to be shitty to them no matter what. Like, you can do whatever to them. They're always going to be shitty. And eventually, like, we're, we're good with everybody. Like, eventually, like, the whole locker room loved us. Yeah, like, I will say, I don't feel like I ever heard a bad word about either of you, ever. We were good eventually, like, with everybody. Like, the locker room loved us. We loved the locker room back. Like, we had a great time eventually, like, towards the end. Like, we're killing it. When we were with Seth, Everybody loved us. We loved them back. It was cool, man. We hung out. Like, it was really cool. Fight fans, take your best shot with a $150 bonus Insight credit guaranteed from FanDuel Sportsbook. It doesn't matter if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out. New customers get an instant $150 bonus Insight credit on your first bet of $5 or more from March 13th to April 4th. Just sign up with the promo code Renee to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Get in on this. You don't want to miss it. You can choose from the money line to the method of victory and so much more. And with cash out, the ball's in your court so you can close out your bet whenever you want before the fight is over. So get your $150 bonus in site credit guaranteed. Just sign up with the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable set credit that expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. So Gazim, when you were fighting, when you were uh, in MMA, I was kind of briefed on this story recently about when you had to be escorted out of a building by security after one of your fights. What happened? Well, you have to hear a little bit of backstory. I'm from Kosovo and uh, we were in a war like in 1994 to 1998. Like we were in a war with Serbia and uh, I fought, I, I had a fight. Uh, in uh, Bosnia on the border with Serbia. It's actually a Serbian part. And a lot of people called me crazy going there to fight. But at that time, I was 17 years old. I was crazy, right? I didn't care. I just wanted to fight. 
And I go there and I, I had to fight somebody. I don't know. I think he was from Romania or something. He hopped out last second. He got injured or something. So they said, just come to the press conference day prior and hang out there, talk a little bit, you know, get your name out there. So I went to this conference and uh, they tell me uh, my fight got canceled. All of a sudden, this Serbian guy, uh, Mario Milosavljevic, he uh, stands up. He says, I want to fight this boy. Like everybody goes quiet. Like, is this going to work? You already have a fight planned? He said, no, I want to fight him. I said, well, I want to fight you then. If you want to fight me, right, let's go. Let's go tomorrow. The next day were the weigh-ins. We weigh in, we stare down, right? Like 20 people around us, so nobody got, got in a fight. And it was actually the first time in history an Albanian versus a Serbian in that promotion, BKFC. And uh, they were already scared. They were telling me, right, do the match, don't do anything crazy, and get the hell out of the arena and just go to the hotel. If we tell you you're good at the hotel, go to the airport or go back to Albania, right? Cross the border. So I do the fight. I uh, choked him out standingly. Like I li actually lifted him up by his head from the ground. He was two feet completely off the mat. He got choked out. He was completely uh, unconscious. And I made this joke the day prior to my brother. I said, if I knock him out or choke him out in the first round, I'm going to do the Tito Ortiz. I'm going to bury him. I'm going to drag his body and cover it up with sand. And my brother said, if you do that, you're going to cause a ruckus. This is going to be crazy. I didn't even like plan to do it really, but it just went automatically. All the adrenaline from choking him out within like 12, 13 seconds. I choked him out and I started burying, burying. I see chairs flying. I see glass bottles flying. I see just a complete, complete ruckus. And the promoter is actually like telling us all hell's breaking loose, guys. What the fuck? What did you, what did you do? So all the security guards come, all the police officers come and they're actually already calling a SWAT team, like just for the ruckus that's going on. Like the whole show got stopped for like an hour and a half. I was a co-main event. The main event had to wait an hour and a half before everybody was back seated down. Half of the uh, arena got left. We got escorted like by police and MA group uh, to the hotel. And they said, when is your flight? I said, next morning. He said, no, you can't wait. I said, what do you mean? They said, you can't wait. You got to leave right now because... You're not in charge. We're not in charge for your security. If you go on the street, you're done. You're dead. Like I was there with my dad and my brother, with my coach. We're the four of us, right? They said, if you go on the street, we're telling you you're dead. If you want us, we ask you to the airport or to the border. And I said, uh, well, what do you want me to do? There's no flights to the Netherlands. And we just hopped in the car and we just started driving back to the Netherlands. And took, a, I think, like a 30-hour drive back to the Netherlands. And we just drove... I, I made history. I mean, it became like I got on more than, I think, 100 uh, news channels all over Yugoslavia and everywhere. Like, it was one of the biggest news. Holy shit. Were you receiving so many threats? Oh, definitely. Like, even like just in the Netherlands from Serbian people, right? Obviously, for me, war is always out of our hands. So I have nothing to do with war. I respect everybody. It doesn't matter where they come from. Right. I'm uh, in Kosovo right now. I respect everybody, but it's entertainment. I'm an entertainer. Right. <laughs> and I like to like test the limits of people. And uh, yeah, I just did what I did. I got escorted out. I still respect everybody. You know, I respected the guy as well. I shook his hand and uh, I gave him a little slap behind the head, like good job. And that was it. Any plans to get back in the cage? Uh, for now, we're too busy with our project. Right. Like I could have we could have gone back to our roots uh, I could have gone in the metaverse as an MMA fighter as well 
But even MMA for me doesn't feel big in our real life. Like, I love wrestling. We both love wrestling. Obviously, we've done it for six and a half years in the States, and we really love it. So we want to continue wrestling for now and uh, see how the future goes, right? All right. So wrestling is coming at some point in the real world. We will wait and see what happens with that. And for people that want to check out Bull 8 Planet, where do they go? What do they do? How do people get in on this? Our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, Bull 8 Planet. And uh, we'll join our Discord. We have a Discord. We have more than 6,000 members uh, within like four weeks. And we're engaging there every day. Our Discord, Bull 8 Planet. Join it. Join the community. Join the family. See the real AOP. Sunny is in there. I'm in there. We have professional soccer players, mental health coaches. We got everything. So it's, it's a beautiful place to be. And uh, if you want to get to know us, just join the Discord. Yep, join the Discord. Come hang out. Hell yeah, guys. So uh, excited for you. Proud of all the work that you've been putting in. Uh, you guys are kicking ass, man. So cool to see you venture in to some new markets. Staying so busy uh, since parting ways with WWE. But also, I cannot wait to see you guys get back in the ring. I'll be waiting. I'll be watching. A big thank you to Sunny and Gazim for hanging out with me uh, and just, yeah, giving me little details on what's going on in their lives. I love seeing people just like take a little bit of a pause, but also like work on some other stuff. They for sure could have gotten into back in the ring at really any moment since their, you know, their contracts were up with WWE or their, you know, their 90 days were up for their non-compete, whatever. But it's cool that they've been working on these other things. They have, you know, several different irons in the fire. Love to see it. Hell yeah, dudes. Very, very cool. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. If you did, the video for it um, will be out on YouTube very soon. So just search Renee Paquette, search the sessions. It's all there on YouTube and you can subscribe over there to get your eyes on this. Also, some of the merch. You guys, the merch that we're putting out is really, really cool. I'm, I truly am obsessed with the shirts. I love a baseball tee. I don't know if everybody is on the fence with a baseball tee, but I love them. Um, but you can get the one with the, my like face with the, the like Bowie inspired makeup, the like band tour dates on the back, but it's the guests of the episodes. Really, really cool. We've got some beanies on there. We've got some other stuff that's going to be coming out. So just hold on to your butts. There's cool merch coming out, but I'll be posting some more photos of that to keep you guys in the loop on all that and where you can get it. Until next time, guys, this has been The Sessions. <laughs>